welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. Well, it's good to be here today. We continue our study in the book of Joshua. If you have your Bible, look with me at the Old Testament passage of Scripture in Joshua. I welcome those of you that are online. We are excited that you have joined us today, many of you from all over the United States and literally all over the world. I tell you, every week we've got about 18 different states that, that check in people from those states on a regular basis, and so we're always excited that you have joined us, and uh, for those that are uh, joining overseas, we love you and are grateful, and we're grateful for those of you that are, that are from the nations that have joined us here. I told you a few weeks ago, uh, we began a new uh, uh, opportunity in our services. You can pick up headphones and you can listen to me as I preach live. Someone's translating my message in either Spanish or Burmese and now in Swahili. So we welcome you. We're glad you are here. Grateful for those that are translating even as we speak. And I always try to remember to go slow for you, but that's uh, something that they will tell you. I forget quickly into my message and begin to fly through these words and they're doing their best to keep up. So we are excited that you're here. We've been in the study of Joshua since the beginning of the year. I actually intended for this study to last about four to five weeks and it just kept getting better and better as I studied. And so by the end of this month, we will have gone all the way through the book of Joshua. And last time we were together, uh, we looked at, kind of backed up to take an overview of several chapters. And we're going to do that again today. In fact, we're going to kind of to hover above uh, the text, and I'm going to kind of reach and pick in uh, several passages of Scripture over about a 10-chapter span uh, as we look at the book. Now, the book of Joshua can be divided into two clear areas. The first 12 chapters speak of the conquest of the land. It's the story of God leading through Joshua as the people of Israel cross over the Jordan into the promised land and they fight, confront and fight and win over an enemy and begin to take possession of that promise. Verse or chapter 13 through the end of the chapter 24 really focus on the claiming of the land. It takes a, a distinct turn. Having defeated all of the major cities and fortified areas, now the attention turns to the assignment of the land to the 12 tribes of Israel. You would do well if you read chapter 
13 through 24 to do it with a map in your hand. Uh, or maybe find a map of the 12 tribes and their allotment of land because what we find throughout these next 10 chapters are very specific borders and boundaries that are established for each of the tribes of those 12 tribes of the nation of Israel to inhabit that promised land. Now, in our study, I have told you, the title of our study is Victory, Our New Normal. In the book of Joshua, we discover that God's plan for his people is to bring them into the fullness of his power, the fullness of his promise, the fullness of his presence. And that's God's plan for you, too. God's desire for you is that you live victoriously. Jesus said it this way. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. God wants you to live fully, abundantly. And and I think that most of us would not describe our life as abundant or full. But God wants us to experience that. So over the last few months, we've looked at the book of Joshua. We've discovered that God gives very specific instruction. And that specific instruction offers guidelines for us to follow as we too move into the fullness of all that God has for us. Now, in our time together today, as we look at these 10 chapters and kind of look down, in fact, next week we'll come back and look more specifically at a couple of passages within those 10 chapters. But for today, what I want us to focus on is a strategy that you and I can embrace to walk in this victory that God has for us. If God has indeed purchased victory and we've looked at how we walk into and accept and embrace all of God's power and purpose for us. So is there a strategy that will help us stay on track? How can I keep the joy of my salvation? How can I stay connected to God? I think that what we're going to discover today through these chapters may help us understand that reality. So today, we're going to talk about a strategy for winning as we move forward in our victory. Now, turn with me to chapter 13. We left off in chapter 12. We're going to look at one verse in chapter 13, the first verse, and the first verse introduces really the next six verses, and, uh, and then after verse 6, um, we go from verse 7 all the way to chapter 19, well, actually all the way to chapter 23, um, we have a description of the land being divided among those 12 tribes. Now, the first six verses, though, tell us something very important. Now, it is extremely important for us, especially since we left off in chapter 11, the last verse. Because chapter 12, you will remember, is just a list of the kings and the land that belonged to those kings, the kings and the kingdoms that were defeated by Joshua and the people of God. But in chapter 11, the last verse, there is an interesting phrase that can 
so often be misunderstood. In fact, I think it might well be the reason many of us never can describe our life as abundant. It's the reason we wouldn't say that we are living victoriously in our walk with Christ. It's because of a misunderstanding of this verse. So let's go back to chapter 11, the last verse. And this is what it says. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses. And Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. So Joshua, the Bible is saying God gave Joshua victory over all of these fortified cities. All of these major cities, they defeated them. And then he divides up the land, and each of these 12 tribes are now to go and to settle into that area that has been ascribed to them. Now, the last phrase of that verse is the phrase that we often misunderstand. Look at the last phrase. Thus, the land had rest from war. Now, when we read that, we assume, okay, all the fighting is over. Well, good. We finally are in the promised land. We finally have the land that God wants us to have. We have finally defeated the enemy in all of these fortified cities. We have driven them out. They are gone. All that's left is for us to step in and enjoy the fruit of God's goodness. All we have to do is step in and enjoy the fullness of God because all the warfare is over. But it's not. When Joshua said the land had rest from war, he's talking about the fact that together as a nation of Israel, they had fought all of these fortified cities and they had won. They had finished their battles together as a nation. They are now to be divided up into individual tribes. Each tribe is given an area, but guess what? Within every one of those areas are smaller towns, smaller villages, smaller communities of the same people whom God had given instruction to drive out. So now, rather than a unified war effort from the nation of Israel, they settle into their divided, inherited portion and it is the responsibility of all of the tribes to get rid of within their territory all of the enemy that remains. So the war continues. The fighting doesn't stop. In fact, it becomes even more personal now in the fighting. In verse 1 of chapter 13, after chapter 12, list all the kings and kingdoms that had been destroyed. The Bible says, Now Joshua was old and advanced in years when the Lord said to him, I love this. What does God say to him? You are old and advanced in years. And very much of the land remains to be possessed. The land has rest from war, but there's still a lot of territory that is occupied by the enemy. 
And there's a lot of area that the, the nation of Israel will, will, must step into and embrace and possess. Now, when I look at that one verse, and in fact, in the next six verses, he tells him the territories of the area that need to be possessed. And from that, in verse 7, he says, go ahead and divide up the inheritance among those 12 tribes, give them the parameters of their area, and they are each now responsible for driving out the enemy within their individual areas. So the battle continues. The strategies that enable us to walk in victory begin, I think, in verse 1 of chapter 13. And here is how I would put it to you. If you want to experience the fullness of all that God has for you, if you want the abundant life that God has promised that we can have, if you want to walk in victory and that be the normal experience of your life, we must recognize number one strategy, never stop. Never stop. We have got to continue to fight even though the major cities had been overcome. The individual battles of those that were possessing God's promise continues. And I believe that this allows us to recognize an important truth. Now, it's a truth that none of us like. And because we don't like it, we try to ignore it and pretend it doesn't happen. And as a result of that, we're not walking in victory. But here's the bottom line. And you will never... Listen to me carefully. You will never understand the Christian life, nor will you ever walk in victory on this planet until you understand this. We are at war. We're at war. And unless you understand that, nothing in life makes sense. You and I today have a front row seat to the atrocities of war. We watch on the news all that has happened in Ukraine and, and the tragedy of war. We, we recognize daily that thousands of innocent people, women and children die as a result of war. Good people, people who don't deserve it. And the only way you and I can come to grips with an understanding of why this happens is we recognize they are at war. And when you're at war, innocent people die. When you're at war, horrible things happen. You and I need to recognize today that we as the children of God are at war. That is the reason why bad things happen to good people. That's the reasons why even those of us who walk with God experience tragedy and heartache and hurt and pain. We're at war. We have an enemy that wants to take you out at every level. And he never stops, and he never backs up, and he never takes a break, and he never takes time off. Every one of us, every second of every day, are at war. And I want to tell you something, though it's not popular. It never ends until you die. 
You don't even get to the place where you can say, I can't wait to get retirement so that I can rest. No, it it never ends. I wish I could tell you that there will come a day when sin will not be a temptation for you. (laughs) But I can't tell you that. I don't care how old you are. Sin will always be a temptation. I, I wish I could tell you that when you get into your 80s and 90s, prayer is easy. It's never going to be easy. I wish I could tell you that there comes a moment in our life and in our walk with God when we as seasoned veterans of God's army get to the place where reading the Bible becomes easy for us. Never does. And the reason is because we have an enemy And the enemy never stops. Now, I can tell you that we get better at fighting. I can tell you that that we get better at recognizing temptation and overcoming it. I can tell you that, that the longer we walk with God, if we are careful in our walk with God, we get stronger And we are more aware of the power of God and learn to rely on God. But even though it is true that we are stronger and wiser in battle, it's also true that the battle never, ever ends. That's why the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians says, put on the whole armor of God. Guys, put on the armor of God every day before you go out and do everything you can to stand firm and stand firm and pray with with the armor on because you've got an enemy that wants to take you out. And there are some of you that walked with God for a long, long time. And, And I want to tell you what victory looks like is a lot of us have walked with God for a long time and we have experienced victory in our life. And then there comes a point later in our life when we just kind of quit we get tired. We're tired of the fight. We're tired of the, 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 the hassle. And we get to the point where we, re, we retire and, and we're done. And, and we say, you know what? I, I, I put in my time. I, I have served God faithfully. It's time for some of the younger folks to step up and take over. And do and, and you know what? Some of the greatest years of tragedy can be the latter years in your life if you're not careful. Never stop fighting. The only way that we can have victory is to recognize that we fight every every day. We don't give up. When we look through the text in the passages that follow the division of the land, we're introduced in chapter 14 to one of two people who really had a vision of what God can do, who embraced the victory and power of God and walked in that power. And his name is Caleb. And in chapter 14 of Joshua's writing, we are introduced to this guy 45 years after it happens. They had been now in in the promised land for about five years fighting these battles. Forty years earlier, they had been wandering in the wilderness, but but at the beginning of that 40-year wandering, Moses had sent 12 spies into this very land that they were now occupying. 
12 spies go in, 10 of them come back, or 12 of them come back, 10 of them said, there is no way we can win. The enemy is too strong, they're too powerful. We are a weak people, we are not able to, to, to embrace the challenges that are there. 10 of them said there's no way we can win. Two of them said there's no way we can lose. And one of those two was Caleb. And Caleb came back, and, and in fact, you, you really begin to see the difference in, in how they look at the fight. When you look at what they said, the 10 spies, basically, when they come back, they, they said this, we are not able to go up against them. And this is what Caleb said. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land. The difference is the 10 focused on me, Caleb and, and, and Joshua focused on God. The 10 said, we can't do it in our own power. And Caleb said, we don't, we don't have to. If God delights in us, he's the one that's going to give us the land. Guys, we can't lose. There's none greater than God. Now, that was 40 years ago. All of a sudden, in fact, 45 years ago. Fast forward 45 years, 40 years wandering in the wilderness, five years in the conquest of the land. They now are being divided uh, into each one of these tribes. They are having their land divided to them. And, and in verse 7 of chapter 14, it says this. This is, this is Caleb speaking. I was 40 years old when, when Moses, served, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought word back to him as was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord, my God, fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and your children forever, because you have followed the Lord God fully. Now, behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke the word to Moses, when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now, behold, I am 85 years old today. I'm 85, and look at what he says. I'm still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me. My, as my strength was then, so it is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there and with great fortified cities perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken here's the picture of a person who understands you never quit Caleb says I'm, I'm 85 years old and you know what I'm still fighting I want to ask you something if, if you're in the retirement years are you still fighting do you still push forward to have the quiet time that you had with God? Do you still push forward to make the Bible come alive? Are you still paying the price that you have to pay to be vibrant in your walk with God? Or is it possible that you are trying to live today's victory on yesterday's effort? 
never stop, never quit, never is there a moment that we're not at war. Now, the second thing that I noticed in the text is this. Secondly, I recognize that, that if we're going to experience victory, we can't stop. But we must, number two, never settle. Don't settle. If we, if we move forward in these chapters, when, when we get to chapter 22, we have been walking through the, the, the division of the property lines and the, and in each of the tribes as they are given land. In, in chapter 20, we find the, the designations of cities of refuge that God tells them to establish. And then when we get to chapter 22, we find the inheritance that is given to two and a half tribes of the 12 tribes. And it says, then Joshua in verse one, chapter 22, summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh. And he said to them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord commanded, and you have listened to my voice and all that I commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days to this day, but have kept the charge of the command of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he spoke to them. Therefore, turn now and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan. Only be careful to observe the commands of the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God with all uh, Lord your God and walk in his ways and keep all of his commandments and hold fast to him and serve him with all your heart and with all of your soul. Now to really understand what's going on here, you've got to remember that as the nation of Israel was preparing to go into the promised land and they had been wandering around in the wilderness, they camped out on uh, on, on the side of Jordan as they were looking across Jordan into the promised land. And the tribes of, of Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh came to Moses and they said, you know, Moses, we kind of like it here. We like this side of the Jordan. I mean, this is a good spot. It's nice, it's flat, it's good. We've been here for a while, we're familiar with it. W would it be all right with you if we just kind of live on this side of the Jordan? Now Moses enters into agreement. It, it, it doesn't seem that Moses really asked God's counsel because God made it clear that he wanted all of his people to go into the promised land. None of them to stay on that side of Jordan. But Moses made an agreement with him. He says, okay, this is what we'll do. If, uh, if, you, if you promise that when we go into Jordan, you will go and fight. So the men of war from, from Reuben, the men of war from Gad, the men of war from Manasseh will join the other in battle. And once we have finished fighting and destroying the fortified cities and establishing our, our inheritance, you can come back and live on this side of Jordan. And so they said, okay, we'll do that. Well, we have already discovered in our study of Joshua that, that Joshua reminded them when they go into the promised land, hey guys, your inheritance is on this side, but you promised that you would go to war. And they do. They come with the nation of Israel. They were there at Jericho. They were there at Ai. They were there at all of those major battles. 
And now that the major battles are over and the inheritance is being divided, they said, hey, can we go back to the other side of Jordan? Now, there's a lesson here, I think, for us. And the lesson for us is that we, we don't stop, but, but we don't settle. You see, God had granted provision, and Moses had granted provision for the land, but, but it was a mistake on their part to do that. In fact, they had missed God's best for them. You know what I've discovered? God will allow you to settle wherever you want to be in your walk with him. If you don't want to have a vibrant walk with God, that's your choice. He's not going to force you to spend time with him. He's not going to force you to spend time in his word. He's not going to force you to do the things that you have to do to have victory in your everyday life. God will allow you to settle on the wrong side of Jordan, if you wish. And you know what? Many of you have done just that. You've settled for second best. You've missed God's blessing. God said, this is the land that I've given to you as an inheritance. I've got a spot for you over here. But, but God, I know you've got that for me. I know that's your plan for me. I know that's your purpose. But I was kind of thinking that maybe it'd be better if I hung out here. Maybe it would be better if I do this. And, and, and I, I can love you and I can serve you and I can do all of the things I need to do over here. And just not there. You know, there are some of you that God has called into ministry and you have said, well, you know what? I think I can just serve you better in, in business. And so I'm not going to go into ministry because I, I, I think I can, I'm not running from my call. I can serve you, but I'll just serve you better over here. And you know what? You settled for second best. There are things that God has called us to. And in, in, in a way that I could put it that maybe would, would help you understand one of the things that I see people do a lot of times is, is if, if I can give you an example of how we sometimes settle. I've learned, this is what I've learned in my, my walk with God. Many of the things that I desperately need to be where I need to be in my walk with God, God gave to you. He didn't give it to me. He, he, he gave those things I need to you. And he's called me to walk in community with you. He's gifted you. He has allowed you to walk through experiences, and many of the experiences that you've walked through will become the very resource that God will use to strengthen me in my walk and in my life. God created us to walk in community. And, and, and so I'm going to use this as an example. Goodness, I've been a pastor for over 40, 45 years now. And uh, I don't know why, but for 45 years, when I meet people, they seem compelled to tell me the reason they don't go to church. I don't know why, but they find out I'm a pastor. And almost, I can't tell you how many times they've said, well, well you're a pastor. Well, you, well, you know, you know, let me tell you why I don't go to church. It's like, well, I didn't ask. Well, let me tell you why I don't go to church. 
And I have heard it all. Oh my goodness. In, in, in 45 years, I've heard it all. But I, a lot of them will say, well, I, let me tell you why I don't go to church. Because church is just full of hypocrites. You know, I know some of those people down there and they go to church and they, you know, they sing their songs and all that. But boy, I, I work with them and they don't talk like Christians during the week and they don't act like Christians during the week. They don't. So I, I don't go because it's full of hypocrites, you know. I've had this said to me, I can't tell you how many times because I'm an outdoorsman and, and so I hunt and a lot of times I'm ended up in a, in a hunting lease with, with guys and, and so I can't tell you how many times that I've had people say to me, well, you know, Pastor, I, I don't go to church, but I want to tell you something. I can get as close to God on a deer stand as I can in church on a Sunday morning. I mean, being out in nature where you're just listening to the birds wake up in the morning, you're seeing all of, of nature. Uh, you know, I can, I can be as close to God on a lake fishing as I can be in a church experience. And, and I don't know, I, I'm not saying you can't, but I will say this to you. And, and maybe there's an exception, but I hadn't found it. In my 45 years of serving God, I've never met a Christian who lives out their experience alone, who thrives. I've just never met one. Maybe they're there. Maybe the Bible comes alive for them, and maybe it's because they live alone. They never tell me what their experience is. Maybe it exists. But this is what I've discovered. God put you in my life to help me be what he wants me to be. I need you. We need each other. God has put us in a family of faith so that we can sharpen one another and hold one another accountable and encourage one another. And when we settle for, for the other side, we, we, we miss that. You know what happened to, to, to Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, by the way? They were the first to fall to the enemy. They were vulnerable on the other side. They didn't have the support and the help of, uh, of all of those that lived in the land. They weren't where God wanted them to be. And, and, and though God, God honored that commitment that was made and loved them and provided for them because they settled. They never experienced God's best. And you know what? There are some of you that are in this room today and some of you that are listening, you've just settled. And you're never going to experience God's best because you have settled for secondhand experience. Instead of studying the Bible, you come and listen to somebody else tell you what it says. Instead of praying, you tell other people to pray for you. Instead of putting the time in with God, you just settle. Well, the third thing that I notice in the text before us happens at the very end of Joshua's life in chapter 23 when Joshua, at the end of his life, offers this farewell address to the nation. And what we discover is this. If you're going to walk in the fullness of God, you can never quit. We fight every, you got to fight for it every day. Never stop. It's a fight every morning to get up and pray. It's a fight every morning to stay in the word. It's a fight every day to live a godly life. The world is against you. The enemy is against you. Everybody is against you doing what God's called you to do. And you got to fight your way through. You can't quit and you can't give up until you die. 
We'll get stronger, but we can't quit until we die. And don't settle. Don't settle for second best. You just say, God, you've got, I want everything you've got for me. I don't want part of what you've got. I want all of it. God, I don't want to miss one blessing you have for me. I don't want to miss one thing you want to do in my life. I want everything you have for me. You just give it all to me. I, I'm not going to settle for anything less than that. And the third thing that we need to recognize is that not only do we, do we never settle, but we also come to the place where we never stray. Chapter 23, Joshua speaking. He offers this farewell address, and boy, he puts his finger on a weakness. And the weakness is that we somehow, when we settle, and somehow when we quit fighting, we stray, we drift. Maybe that's why God, one of the reasons that he said we're like sheep, and why Isaiah said all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned into our way as opposed to God's way. And if I'm to experience victory, I can, I can never stray. And in this farewell address, I, I love it that Joshua offers some key words that you and I can focus on that kind of help us to, to never stray. In that farewell address, beginning with verse 1, he says, Now it came about after many days... When the Lord had given rest to Israel and all their enemies on every side, and Joshua was old and advanced in years, that Joshua called for all of Israel, for their elders and their heads and their judges and their officers, and he said to them, I'm old and advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. See, I have appointed to you I, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as inheritance for the tribe with all the nations that I have cut off from Jordan even to the great sea toward the setting of the sun. So he's saying in that verse, don't quit, okay? You got to keep fighting. Possess that land. The Lord your God, verse 5, will thrust them out from before you and drive them from before you and you will possess the land just as the Lord your God has promised. And then he begins to give us some words that are key. Verse 6, be firm, very firm then to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside to the right or to the left. First of all, he said, if you're not going to stray, you have got to be very firm. Be firm to keep. Be stubborn. Be unmovable. Have a commitment to the word of God that allows you to say, I don't care what others do. I don't care what others say. I don't care what others think. If God says it, that settles it. It has never been more imperative for the people of God to stand on the word of God without compromise than today. And you're going to stand alone. And you're going to be lonely and the world's going to stand against you and it may cost you. But Joshua reminds us that the only way that we will ever walk in victory is that we stand firm, be firm. 
in our commitment to the word. Verse 7, and so that you will not associate with those nations, these which remain among you are mentioned the name of their gods and make uh, anyone swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. He said, secondly, let me t- tell you this. If you're going to make certain that you do not stray, watch who you hang out with. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you take advice from. Don't listen to those. And it doesn't mean that we can't be friends with people that are far from God. We need to be developing relationships with people that are far from God. But we must be careful of those relationships that we not, as he tells us, go the way of settling and become more like them rather than them become more like us. So don't compromise, don't bend, don't stop, stand firm, watch those that you hang out with. And then in verse eight, he says, but you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. Cling to the Lord, nourish that relationship. There will be those who try to separate you from God. So he's simply saying, you hang on to Jesus with everything in you. And don't you let the world peel you apart from him. Don't you let them talk you into letting go. You cling to him as if your life depends on it because it does. He goes on and he says in verse 9 and 10, For the Lord your God has driven out great and strong nations from before you. As for you, no man has stood before this day. One of your men puts to flight a thousand. And why is that? Look at what he says next. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you just as he has promised. Remember that God fights for you. Don't be intimidated by the world. You know, it's easy for us right now to look at all the junk that is happening in the world and we're intimidated by it. All the stuff that's being taught in school and the things that are being tried and all of the, all of the legislation and all of these kinds of things. And it's so easy for us to step back and say, I don't know what in the world. I've even been guilty of saying, what kind of world is my grandchildren going to inherit? But you know what Joshua was saying? Don't you be intimidated by the world. Do you think God's not stronger than that? Honestly? Do you think God's not capable? Do you think God's not aware of what's going on? Do you think God's not in control? Don't you ever lose sight of the fact that God fights for you. And you come and yield to him. And then he says in verse 11, great way to end. Take, so take diligent heed to yourself to love the Lord your God. Guys, be firm in your commitment to the word. Be careful who you hang out with. Cling to the Lord. Nourish that relationship that you had with him. Remember that he fights for you. And then here, just do everything you can to love him. Love God with all your heart. Love him. Experience his love. Walk in that love. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't settle. Don't stray. And if you love God with all your heart, 
It makes it easier for us to stand as he has told us to and not stray. We don't want to leave that side. So, is it possible that some of you that are here today have quit the fight? God has given rest to the land. No, he hadn't. You've been married 60 years, and you know what? You still have to fight for your marriage. My wife and I have been married for 43 years, and, and we still have to fight for it. You would think after 40 years we'd have it down. But there's a pull in our world that will pull us apart if we don't fight for it. We have to fight for it. We have to fight for the relationship that we have with our children. We have to fight for the relationship that we have with our grandchildren. We have to fight. Don't quit fighting. I don't care how old you are. The minute you stop, you'll settle and you'll lose the greatest moment of victory that God has for you. And for that last moment, don't stray. Is it possible that you've kind of strayed away from God? Maybe that's the reason that you are also saying, victory's not normal for me. Well, it can be. It can be if we follow this strategy. Father, I thank you that you have given us your word and in it a plan that we can follow. There are some that are listening today and you have spoken to them because in the weariness of battle, they've stopped fighting. And something has happened subtly, slowly. They've given in to temptation and sin has become a normal part of their life. Though they've walked with you for years. There are areas in their life of compromise and the enemy has set up a stronghold and, and they are ruled in some of these areas. and. So God, I pray that you would bring deliverance today as we confess our sin and turn from it to receive forgiveness. And God, I pray that you would renew our strength. If we're 85 years old, you'll remind us that the war's not over with, but we don't fight in our own strength, we fight in your strength. And so help us end well and fight to the end and experience the victory here that'll make that victory there even more sweet. Father, I pray for those in the room who have settled. They know they're not where they need to be. They know they're not doing what they should do. And, and they've somehow made friends with that. Would you help them today to become uncomfortable? Don't let us stay on the wrong side of Jordan. Let us walk into all that you have for us. And then, Father, for those of us who have strayed, we're not where we used to be. We're not where we once were. We don't love you as we once did. Renew the joy of our salvation. Restore us, Holy Spirit, as we confess our sin and ask you. And give us victory in our walk. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. 
you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us. 